BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm George Chen. And I'm Paco Romain. And you're listening to SupDoc, the premier podcast about documentaries. Today, we are recapping the 2019 Bob Dylan concert film, Rolling Thunder Review. Rolling Thunder Review is a Martin Scorsese mockumentary that is part Zelig, part This Is Spinal Tap, with actual concert footage and some unbelievable interviews with famous friends. To quote Dylan himself, when somebody's wearing a mask, he's going to tell you the truth. When he's not wearing a mask, it's highly unlikely. That line speaks volumes about the movie itself, described by Netflix as part concert film, part fever dream, and an alchemic mix of fact and fantasy. And our guest is comedian Tony Kameen, who started in the San Francisco comedy scene and is a big Dylan fan, so we thought he would be the perfect guest for this episode. Tony has appeared on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and Real Time with Bill Maher. He's written for programs on NBC, VH1, and Comedy Central, in addition to being the co-creator of The Marijuana Logs. And now here's our talk with Tony. Hey, everybody. We are uh, discussing today, recapping Rolling Thunder, the documentary, quote-unquote, off Netflix. And there will be some spoilers, which you probably heard in the intro. But again, if you haven't seen this doc, you might... You, let's just say, listen to this podcast and then go watch it. I mean, whatever. You know? Right, George? <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say it's a big one. Did whatever. you guys... Now, you guys are uh, <laughs> documentary guys. You got, Did you watch it uh, without knowing, or did you watch it knowing? Was uh, uh, first of all, that's the the sultry voice of our guest today, comedian Tony I'm sorry. Kameen. Did that's you all watch right, it? buddy. Yeah, knowing? that is. Ooh, that is sexy. Oh, unknowing. <laughs> I watched it fully clothed, <laughs> sir. Um, I watched it unknowing. My buddy Stephen Lynch texted me and said, "Hey, have you seen Rolling Thunder?" I'm like, "The documentary about my butt," because I thought that was funny. Uh, and then he was like, "No." And then I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "The Bob Dylan doc." So I watched it, and then he's like, "Read about it afterwards." I just got that joke. Oh. Um, <laughs> Stephen Lynch, I don't know. Steve. Oh, the, so he's a he's a piano guy, right? Yeah, music guy, music yeah. guy, guitar guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I know Ron Lynch. I watched uh, it, Ron Lynch, and then I <laughs> looked it up. What about you guys? Oh, I you. Someone told me that it was fake, and then I didn't. I just assumed like a bunch of stuff was green screened. I thought that's what they meant. Like, I thought that uh, Rolling Thunder Is review- this a bad way to start this? Sorry, I just jumped in. <laughs> but it's like, kind of gives you context to where you, where how it comes to you originally, you know, like, because I am a Dylan fan, um, which, so, and I didn't, I didn't know. And, but I also, when I found out, was 100% makes perfect sense. Like, it did, I wasn't, it didn't change my opinion of the thing at all because I was kind of like, what? I almost kind of maybe was thinking it was like, come on, like I don't, you know, like the Sharon Stone part. I was just like, well, uh, you would have, you would have heard too, of this by now. Yeah, she's too, you know, young. like, yeah, you're just hearing this now. She's been famous all this time, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, she was, you know, she, oh, she was a, you know, so I, I was like, ah, something's, something's, something smells, can, yeah. yeah, and even like Bob Dylan's such a hard. It's you never a hundred percent sure what you get. Look at that Todd Haynes movie. Where, like it was like right. that was, 
I didn't know about that going in. And I was like, what is going on? That was even weirder to me, you know? <laughs> uh, so I think it's a, I think it's interesting. I, you know, it's a lot of big questions coming up, but I just think how you first see it kind of matters. Too. Okay. So you two had no idea initially. No. I was given overly prepped. So I just thought a bunch of stuff was like CGI. I what's literally- overly like two years of, of prepped? <laughs> Like what's <laughs> like prep? like uh, j- before I before I it's like I have to watch this for the podcast. Okay, so you're just doing your homework. For I'm this. just doing yeah. my homework, and um, so I didn't know if Rolling Thunder review was actually a tour or not. Oh, okay, you I didn't know they, what level. Yeah, I didn't know what oh, level of made you up said it the was. whole thing could be. I was like, are like is are they overdubbing? Is is Allen Ginsberg like CGI? Like it's a Pixar <laughs> Allen Ginsberg. I thought that was that would happening. be the worst Pixar movie. Yeah, ever. what a what a weird thing to do. It's just like because it, it was his beard. I'm like. It's going in and out of focus. Are they like making different words for? Is someone doing Ginsburg right now? Is I know because it, it, so it, at times it borderlines on cliche too. That's why you think is this a caricaturization <laughs> of of him? Because like David Cross played him so. Good. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I kept thinking this is almost like a cross character. It was a perfect casting because this he seems like a cross character. Yeah, exactly. You know, because it's always his shoes off, Indian style. <laughs> <laughs> So Jewish, so New York. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there's an article that explains everything that's fake. Did you guys read that article? Yes. No, I didn't read that article. Okay. But um, Paco's read it, so he can break us down. I would just it. imagine you can kind of tell. I, I mean, I would imagine there's some things maybe I'd be surprised about. But I would say any of the celebrities saying they were there, the filmmaker thing, you could tell was, you know, that's come on, this guy. You would have heard. You would have just heard about this by now. Is that guy not real? Because someone real. is filming, right? That's Bette Midler's husband. He's a f- notorious like prankster actor guy. Okay, so so we don't know who was filming. Okay, so that was all. Okay, so they kind of he seemed a little young to be that oh, guy. Yeah. But to then Joan Baez, he would have been very great. young. Yeah, yeah. Joan Baez looks the, like pretty much yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah. So that was surprising. Also, like I knew vaguely about their relationship, but they really get into some stuff in that, like the the. A lot of regret there, I think. Well, the like, you know, that that never Bob Dylan was the early one of my my mom liked Bob Dylan instead of the Beatles. So I got Bob Dylan early. And that's then this is the era I came into Bob Dylan, the Desire album, which I think is right after Blood on the Tracks. I think this is around Blood on the Tracks era. And uh, I just took to it like Hurricane was the song, you know, and it's a you know, it's a pretty easy song to like. It's very basic. And you get into the weirder stuff, and you, you kind of okay. Then you're like, like the idiot win, and the and the things that are harder to swallow for a, a teenager, a young teenager. Uh, and you get it, and it's like, and you go back, and the stuff kind of sounds not simple, but you know, like blown in the wind is mm-hmm. not is you know compared to like hurricane or idiot win is there's a lot of growth there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then you just realize oh, there's all these phases, and, and and just you just once you dip your world into Dylan, it's someone's always disappointed in him he's always changing you know and and the more you get to read about him personally that's always like disappointing too you know yeah like in the in the don't look back documentary how he's just like sexist and like not very funny (laughs) you know yeah Hmm. did you like don't look back yeah yeah i loved it i loved it i thought it was great you know and so to, to put a little, if you could separate the guy from, you know, like as a as a work, I thought it was amazing. Right, right. Know? I thought I was very confused by it. By it. I am everything Bob Dylan has ever done. I'm confused. The man just confuses <laughs> me. Uh, yes, 
to put a little context, I don't know, maybe let's say six, seven, eight months ago on Facebook, I was like, someone help me. I don't like Bob Dylan. I don't understand what's happening. I feel like I should know a little bit about this guy. I feel like I should know his music. And you helped me. You got on Facebook and you said, oh, you should check this out. Because I was, was going to go to Amoeba and spend 100 bucks on Bob Dylan music. That was my the thing. And then right. uh, that could go horribly wrong, <laughs> you know, and it kind of did. And it kind of didn't. There was some stuff I really enjoyed. One more cup of coffee is like my favorite. one of my favorite songs now. I love uh -huh. that tune. Uh, and there was some like like some stuff that you never hear on the radio, some weird tracks that he did in the like late 60s, early 70s that I thought was awesome. But ultimately, I'm always I feel like I'm always confused by this guy. Have you ever seen him live? Yeah, I've seen him uh, like four times. Um and I say, last, like the third time, I'm like, eh, never again. <laughs> uh, and then, what? you know, he played, when I lived in New York, he played Prospect Park, like, uh, very close to my house. So I, and it was, you know, it's like he's, he's such a different thing, you know, than when I saw him. Uh, my first time my mom took me for my birthday, because, you know, as a fan, um, it was probably maybe a few years after the after this era. Uh -huh. It was when he had like his Vegasy era. It was the Street Legal was the album, which is not. I don't recommend it. You know, <laughs> I have a fondness for it now personally, but like, it was a weird era after this. After like Blood on the Tracks and Desire, kind of like a schmaltzier area. Mm -hmm. You know, he had like a horn section. I think maybe even oh. for a bit of it and three backup singers. It was. Um, and that was so different than than the next time I saw him. He had gone religious. Oh right, at the Warfield yeah. Theater. So we had I had these great seats. I was so psyched to see Bob Dylan in this relatively small place, the Warfield, and it's just like all this religious stuff. It, so was, you, it was like, uh, so that was um, interesting. You grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah, then? yeah, outside okay. of San, Mountain View. Yeah, because that was before the Shoreline or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was before the Shoreline was built. Uh, yeah. Like in the eighties, I think. Or 90s? I think that I remember going the to Shoreline 80s? in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the first times. I, I remember like hearing the first concert at my when, when <laughs> from my family home. It was like uh, it Iglesias, <laughs> Julio Iglesias. Yeah, you can never go wrong with Julio Iglesias. Yeah, and my mom was like, "Is that what are we? What's that sound?" I'm like, "It's a Julio Iglesias." Light my fire, light my fire. Yeah. Did you a uh, uh, little little tidbit, little fact, little factoid? If you look at aerial views of Shoreline th uh, Amphitheater, it is the um, dead head. It's the dead logo. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did not know that. Molly Schmink, our friend from oh, yeah. San Francisco, had the, the Grateful Dead had a lot of uh, input in the design of that place. I guess that oh. was supposed to be their their home away from home. Oh. Their sort of. Uh, place and i guess it still kind of is they play there with the new incarnation of dead and company every summer they just were there huh. so um NASA yeah so the, and, and like backstage or stuff there's all the stuff dedicated to them and like jerry's corner and stuff so it's 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 yeah it's a very they have a very strong presence there hmm. and have you performed there just during the just uh that uh, oddball festival oh, oh cool yeah yeah just, it's great just in front of ten thousand people <laughs> yeah in my hometown yeah, just shirk it off. You said it so uh, like like it was. I was nothing. surprised. I was surprised at how fun it was because you know comedy outdoors. You've probably done comedy day. It's always like eh, you know it's 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 more of fun to say you did it than this is the the way maybe because the bowl is shaped or something like you heard the laughs and it was like wow this is fun actually you know yeah so uh, yeah I was surprised you know because I went to you know, that. comedy days. Oh, you you did did you do it? I didn't perform in it. No, I was oh. there in the audience. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Silverman, Mark Marin, 
Jim Gaffigan, yourself, other people. Yeah, that, well, that was that was a different that was a better oh. <laughs> better year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, oh, they was, did it more than once. <laughs> I thought it was, yeah, it was I just think once. It was like I think they did like three or two or three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they ran out of oddballs. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Right. All these are even balls. So. Uh, you know. So yeah. so yeah, you turned me on to a lot of you gave me a lot of titles, a lot of songs to go listen to. I I, I try I, for like a week. All I listened to was Bob Dylan, and I still was just as confused. The guy is like a little. He's like a little lizard. I feel like he just changes colors all the time. Are you like, saying maybe like a chameleon? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, like the. You know, there's like Nashville skyline where he has a whole different voice than like lay, 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 lay. Like, like this is the same guy. You, you know, it's just like it's it is confusing to be a Bob Dylan fan because you you have to just like sign up for all his changes. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I'm on board. He's gonna go to Christian. Yep, me too. You know, you <laughs> it, it has to be if not disappointing, challenging at least. You know, right? Do you think Bob is like a visionary or is he somebody that is like has self-esteem problems and is always trying to change to like find his audience or does that make sense to find his audience i don't think like he tries to find an audience yeah, like at he's, all. A, he's just <laughs> i think he just uh, i think him. he's a musician who just like wants to play music and what, whatever i think earlier on like when you listen to his things he's like i could just write songs so fast and they just come to me now I can't do that, but I, I play uh, my band's tighter, and I and I could I could find different meanings to the songs. I'm doing that now, so it's just like, I think it's just an artist doing what he wants to do. And, and all good artists, they they all the best ones have phases. You know, like Woody Allen has the silly phase, and he got too serious, and then he found a balance or whatever. And Bob Dylan, the Beatles, you had a phase, and the Who, many the Wallflowers, phases. Yeah. yeah, the Wallflowers. <laughs> uh, maybe besides like there's in those like the Ramones who just did one thing yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like they so. And, and sometimes the sometimes audiences shift depending on the phases. You know, I, I'm a big Radiohead fan, and they've certainly done that too too over the years. You know, with OK Computer and then Kid A, uh, and I, I and I, I think comics, good comics, do that. I don't do that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm serious. But I'm like, you could say, oh, remember when they were in that phase or mm -hmm. doing like that? They told smaller jokes, then they told longer jokes, and they're storytellers. You know, whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's just an artist's path if you will so not to sound you're more of a rambling jack elliott of comedy i'm more of the rambling jack yeah i'm around i'm a good time uh, but no one's gonna buy my album <laughs> uh did you hear about the rolling head i mean sorry uh radiohead uh rolling head was a band in my hometown uh radiohead someone took uh their mini disc player did you hear about uh -huh. this no yeah and they put it out was it a bootleg yeah, that, that was well, oh, the stuff where they just released released all that music to just to, recently. To, Someone, yeah, the, some hackers <laughs> who were blackmailing them said we're going to release thirty six hours of these outtakes from OK Computer, and they just said, oh, we'll just release it. <laughs> we'll <laughs> like, we'll do you. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I awesome. got admire. I think that's admirable. Yeah, yeah. Get in front I think of that's it. awesome. They're like, fuck you. Uh, this is what we're gonna. It's like when you get that email. It's like I've taken over your computer and I've seen you masturbating. And I'm, if you don't pay me a million dollars, I'm gonna release it to the end. I'm like, shit, go ahead. First of all, I'm sorry for to, you yes. had to see that. Especially the weird German shit I watch. <laughs> These Nigerian princes love to watch me jerk off. <laughs> yeah, it's better. just like, come on, go go for it, dude. So um, this—that's the part about. So again, the this documentary for me, or is it a mockumentary? Should, should we call it? I was gonna say, should we call it a documentary? I didn't think. Well, it's also like, <laughs> you know, like concert films are documentaries technically because they're documenting an event, but it's a different. So now, document—it's kind of an umbrella term now, especially since this, I guess this is a golden era of documentaries, 
So there's these we things that so. kind of sneak in through the edge. Was the was the Joaquin Phoenix thing a prank or was it a documentary or both? Because it, it did happen, but it was it was you know ginned yeah. up mm-hmm. to happen. So it's like a prank. It's 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 the gray area. I, I think I think everything is cool. You know, it's just like I think it's I think it's kind of funny they did this. You know. Yeah, I think they kind of tipped their hand a lot with the the setup, like the opening scene. It's like look at the yeah, history yeah, yeah, of yeah, cinema. Yeah. yeah. Like look, there is not a woman behind the thing. I'm like that led me to believe. That's what made me think everything was CGI in this. Like, yeah. That setup. Um, and I just think it's like, you know, you're these guys, you're legends, and you want to put out this this, this bookmark, the benchmark of time. Well, I think yeah. it's just kind of like a fun, interesting way to do it. They both have done everything. <laughs> it's like well, Scorsese, too, yeah, is yeah. what we're talking uh, about. Yeah, which we didn't really get into yet too much. So yeah. you're like, are you just want to put this out? I mean, and it's, it's uh, I was surprised about how good some of the songs were. Like, this is, a, this is a, a kind of a scrappy era, but like, man, he's, that hurricane and... Uh, it's amazing. There's some really tight stuff on there, and there's some a, a good example of like challenging stuff, like his version of this is of Hattie Carroll. I don't know if you fans. It kind of just like this honky tonk fast version. I think it doesn't do it any favors, mm-hmm. and that's a just typical Dylan concert. You're gonna get something that takes you a while to oh that's Rolling Stone, and then it's the arrangements are all over the place, you know, and some are great. If you like them, and then some are like, ah, I didn't, I didn't, that, that, that seemed to butcher. I think the know? performances. I, have I, you ever seen them? Or you? I've never of? seen them. Um, I wouldn't say I'm like a big fan. I'm like have a passing knowledge of him, but like you know, like I knew like the hit songs, obviously. That right, right, right. But um, no, I mean, I thought you know the the uh, people talk about his charisma and his sort of stage presence, and it. I think the white makeup has to help a little bit. I got some good screen caps of him just like. Him and Roger McGinn at the end, where he's just like looks like, like a like a crazy like preacher man or something, you know. This had a very like revival, like you know, religious uh, folk revival vibe to it, I guess. Yeah, and as a as a comic, you could, or a performer, uh, you can yeah, see no. you could see you the idea of bringing yeah. all your friends having this gang along to, uh, to 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 this tour. It sounds like it'd be fun, you know, like. A, <laughs> A fun idea. Yeah. Including uh, your ex. Yeah. <laughs> because I never thought he was that great when I've seen him live. Not, you know, it's just a guy standing there playing his songs. He's not like a brilliant guitar player. He's a great songwriter. So it depends, sort of depending on the band he's with and the mood he's in. You know, because you see, you say, oh, he's got a lot of charisma. It's hard to sort of tell because he's kind of barking into this thing. It's a fluffy mop ahead. <laughs> and you go see <laughs> bands like The Who and they're, jumping all over the place and yeah, you know yeah, so you're yeah. like i don't know if i'd say he's like a great live player but there's certain things you can appreciate you know when you see him you well know? that's like why it works as a film because like if we're standing like in the back of even at three thousand seat yeah. room you're standing at the back it's like go and see him at the great american music hall or something yeah yeah it yeah, would yeah, be exactly. amazing to see but you like the film the, the yeah, camera and that's him being yeah being very good like mm-hmm. with the white face that's him like putting it out there Effort. as opposed to like standing behind an organ is that like i think I, that's him that's how it's been maybe last but then you always hear someone's like oh i saw it i saw i caught one you know i i caught a show that was he played guitar he came out and he was on he played, took some leads yeah so once in a while you hear a show is really great but mostly it's like yeah you know he kind of grumbles through them uh he's never gone full didgeridoo or anything no. like that yeah <laughs> no I, like if you're go ahead i, I was just uh, the for me the m- most intense thing about this documentary was the end that shows his fucking uh, concert tours for the last forty. Yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, he's never gone off the. It's crazy. Like, 
That's insanity. He play, he plays like I. I read the story where he played. You know, during the Wallflower when they were uh, uh, popular, they played the same festival, and they didn't even meet because one he was on <laughs> earlier in the day, and Bob Dylan had another show to go to. <laughs> you know, like he had yeah. like he has this tight little band, and he just doesn't stop touring. And there's something to be said for that. Like the, he's pushing what eighty or something like that. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, he has a family, I guess. He, t- he travels around in an RV sometimes with and tries to be a normal family man, you know? <laughs> Jim Gaffigan style. Jim yeah. Gaffigan style. But it's also so weird, like his love life. Like he was married to his backup singer that no one knew about, you know? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's really an odd, odd cat. Or yeah. was he? Or yeah, or was he? You know, who knows? Did he really like, have a backup some, singer? Is Jacob Dylan his son? His, he has this little family and he's... he's uh, yeah, it's just an odd guy, you know? It's just like... Well, he it's so in the documentary, it tells about how he took a long break. He'd stopped touring. He took like what mm-hmm. eight years off or something like that. Or he had a motorcycle accident. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, which was people say it was a heroin addiction. He was trying to kick a heroin addiction. Mm. And that's a, that, that the motor, motorcycle accidents often in quotes. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, interesting. So that's like the official story. But it's, there's there's a lot of conspiracy theorists that, oh. like the motorcycle. accident. Yeah, that's like me know. and carbs. I've had a motorcycle accident, <laughs> apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more of a scooter. I think it's, if it's carbs versus heroin, it's more of a scooter <laughs> yeah, accident. More scooter, yeah. Either <laughs> oh, way, it leads to a needle. Well, that was, that was another question I was going to answer. Like, I don't know any of the... probably kill more people than heroin does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It was a carb accident. <clears throat> I don't uh, know any of the nefarious Bob Dylan stuff. It's not really well known. Like, I don't... Did he drink? Did he smoke pot? Apparently he did heroin. Like, that's kind of the stuff I don't know and about. And that's not... That's just like... I don't even know if that's true or yeah. what. But that's, that was the rumor of he took like 68, 69, up, went up to Woodstock and just kind of retreated for a while. And it's got to be odd to be... When you're just like hailed, you know, the Beatles at least had each other and stuff. When you're that big and like, oh, you're the next Messiah. It's got to mm-hmm. screw with your head, you know. I yeah. know. Let's write a movie where everyone forgets that Bob Dylan wrote songs. And then we, <laughs> yeah. one guy just like, I'm going to sing about a boxer who was imprisoned in the 70s. And people are like, it's 2019. What are you, why are you talking about this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is an odd timing for this. I mean, a lot of work went into this for like a, just a wink and a nod to an well, audience. They could have just put concert footage out, and right. it would have been yeah. a strong thing, you know. But they put this hoodwink little little prank. Yeah, like it took like Scorsese being involved for the this to get finalized. I guess I don't know. Like having those two, like I don't know what their relationship is like. That seems like that's a weird room to be in. Where it's Dylan and Scorsese. Well, I know Scorsese was roommates with Robbie Robertson, and that's oh, why okay. the last waltz happened, or or part of the reasons I think. So I think maybe it's it's a transference. Some in there, they probably obviously met during the last waltz. Yeah. So they have a pre, they have a relationship. What a weird roommate to have. Like yeah, my roommate Marty. He eats all my Who cereal. Took my cheese? I had cheese in there. Who took my cheese? Someone took my cheese. Come on. Beautiful cheese. I had holes. It was beautiful. I set up a that's security camera. That's the first time I attempted that. <laughs> that's good. Very good. It's a bit. Very good. Yeah. It's a bit. Eyebrows yeah, yeah. Really? I think, think that's I a character oh, you should good, do. Good, good, good. All Just right. Do, build, do a beard and then, yeah. Oh, I can't it. wait. We got a bit. <laughs> we got a bit Look here, out. folks. I'm going to debut at the punchline in two weeks. <laughs> nice. Well, hopefully it'll be open. Oh, that's oh. inside. By the inside. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, going to be open. this is airing very soon. So it's open as of right now. Go to the right. punchline uh, Amen. if you can. Yeah. They were supposed to be meaner to each other. I listen to podcasts. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah exactly. We're like the Doughboys of, yeah, yeah. of uh, the Doughy Boys. We're just yeah. the Doughy. There you go. We're just <laughs> the, the Doughy. That's where we the just carbs sit indoors went. and watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so much. I'm so pale. Uh, but let's. But you, so, you're, 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 but you're an active guy. You play basketball. And I stuff. do like. You get out there. You I do like you, my basketball. You're always yeah. out and about. Uh, I think I do true. nothing. I you walked, do nothing. I walked to Thai food yesterday. That's see, but you walked. You didn't postmates it. Oh, that's true. I, I did get out of the house for that. That's true. Did you go yeah, to that yeah. re- that one restaurant by your house that we went to? Uh, Rune Pair? No, I went in the same plaza. I went ah. to the other one. It's called Thai Patio. This Thai is patio. a great Thai food neighborhood if you... It should uh, be Pad Tidio. Mm. Uh, pad t- oh, okay. yeah. Never it should mind. be Pad Tidio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, business. Just kidding. <laughs> this, is, so this, is the, this is the neighborhood to live in if you're... Uh, oh, yeah. You know what we're right by? Did you watch I Am The Night? Do you know about that No. Thing? Uh, the podcast uh, that's uh, the root of evil, the the guy who they think is the Black Dahlia murderer lives right oh, at really? the corner. Doesn't he? Doesn't li- he's not alive he's not, anymore. He's not currently. Uh, I was going to say, there. let's go get him. Yeah. <laughs> the hotel. The hotel. Uh, George If we, saw, if we got him, this podcast would get a lot of hits. Oh I my know, god! That's, we should just put that in. Karen Kilgariff Kill- would be so mad at me. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, yeah. I should. Uh, She's probably mad at me anyway. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't write me back. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, we live right. Bo- yeah, this is a neighborhood of Thai food and uh, murder houses. So. But also, half like everybody in the UCB lives in this neighborhood, right? Oh yeah, Ron Lynch lives kind of uh, up the street. He's not UCB. Okay, uh, well, um, he lives by UCB. I know Ron. He's my he was my old roommate in San Francisco. Oh, did you live in that? Condo? I lived in that house. Okay, no. Ron Lynch and Chris Hobbs. Yeah, Paco, have you been to that condo? I had the I good room. This. I had the good room. I've only heard uh, Dana Gould, Dan Spencer. I've heard legendary stories about that fucking place. I wish. Yeah, I, I, had, never- I had Dana's room. Mm. You had Dana's uh, room? I got Dana's room, which was the only, which was the best room. It had the bay, it had the bay windows. It had a fireplace and uh, yeah, it was nice. All that was on windows. Clement Street in San Francisco? It was on 21st between Geary and Clement. Okay. Mm. Well, that's a nice neighborhood. I mean, that's a delicious neighborhood. So that's like near Holy City Zoo, right? Yeah, like it was, that's, the, that's the reason it was there mm-hmm. is the zoo was on 6th uh, down the street. It was, you know, like 10 minute walk. Was that your era of San Francisco comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was... The, I got the end of the zoo, so it wasn't. There was predecessors who had the real time to make money on the road. I got into it just as it was dying. Uh, probably not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably a symptom. I'm, I'm sure you know. <laughs> I got on the those last piece. things of evening at the Improv. I caught the last dying wave of those shows. You know. Yeah. Timing um, is everything. Ron actually showed me in San Francisco where the old Improv was. It's just like a blues club. It's now the Biscuit and Blues. Yeah. yeah, and that was such a great club. It had that classic setup of of underground. You know, low low ceiling, just like that's those good clubs always have those low ceilings, dark, not that nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the improvs, but they're all kind of like nice. They're all a little mm-hmm. too. They are nice. They can I be think people want dirt. people want nice though. Now they don't want too dingy. Yeah, that's I don't true. Think. You don't have to be too dingy. Like punchline's a great, perfect balance. You were you uh, you did the comedy works. That's perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? That's, that's like that's a great. They start below you, and then the sl- audience slowly is raked up. It's like you're just your your eyesight's right in the middle of the crowd. It's per- it's so good. It's a really a perfect club. Yeah, it's yeah, very. It was yeah. awesome to be there and to see it for the first time, and to perform. Yeah, Tony, have you opened for musicians before? Because I was thinking about how Ginsburg would just go up there, like uh, you had five minutes, you got two minutes now, and then eventually he's just loading oh. gear at the end of the tour. Um, like, what is it like? To I've done it a little bit, like opening for uh, a musician. But have you had a lot of experience doing that, like being just a, a little bit? I used yeah. to do the old Ironsides in Sacramento. We used to do like they'd have a whole day of music, and we'd 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 do the banter in between. So that's not because they expect it. It's not the same thing. 
I've been offered to do this offshoot of the Hold Steady. The guy asked it, and I was like, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. Open for the Hold Steady? Yeah. Oh no, no, that was an offshoot. The guy oh, was an a, offshoot. Was a musician. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's in this other band, the mm-hmm. keyboard player who had the crazy mustache, mm-hmm. uh, Hans. Uh, he's like, I have this thing, and then 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 he's like, maybe the whole. T- I think he asked for for the whole city too. Some club some club shows in uh, New York at the time, and I said, I don't know, I, I don't think I'd want to do it. But I've, the times I've done it, like I've done the High Times Award where there's bands on stage and you're kind of, if you, unless you're the focus. I mean, it's hard enough to do comedy when you're the focus. <laughs> you know, you know, people <laughs> right. are still distracted. But when it's like, ah, we want to see the bands, so I don't have tons of experience. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't sound. Great. They're called like band breaks, you know? Yeah. I remember like when hearing that like like Brian Copeland used to like open for people like musicians on tour and stuff like that. Paco, have you opened for musicians as a comic? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. It's the worst. It's so bad. Because I would like- think I would think someplace like, you know, like Molly asked me, Oh, do you want to do it was some jazzy like at Paul Masson, Winer? I think that's a different thing than okay. a club. Like that might be still not a good gig but still like maybe you know like oh they're gonna they're gonna see john luke ponty or something yeah i'll yeah. be my french jokes but like you know what i mean like you it's it, then it's like a wine crowd but yeah. still they're they're not there to see you so you're gonna probably offend it's not but they're know, not it, going it, to yell at you though they're not gonna yell at you they're, they're, they're but they, no. they mm-hmm. might be you know the worst yeah. is you'll get some a polite polite applause and they're not listening you know that's yeah, yeah 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 but i used to open for bands at um the park side here oh, yeah, town. I love yeah. the park side. Yeah, and great bottom place. of the hill. For a while, when I first started, they were doing band, they were having comics to go between bands so that during their, you know, when their band, the bottom next band the was hill? setting up, it was, and it was horrible. <laughs> like, yeah, because they'll hit a snare drum while you're talking. <laughs> oh, dude. And nobody cared. And the volume change between like, good night. And then I'm like, hey, man, uh, buses are weird. You know, like, <laughs> just that. Yeah, you know, there's change. a throng of people headed. Face the bathroom and bar as you come on stage because it's a the band's taking a break. That's the time not to pay attention. Yeah, right. after you yeah. just paid attention, yeah. you just think you're like, you the- ever notice? <laughs> you're like, no, I don't notice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't care. Now yeah. imagine that you're like trying to be like, I I saw the greatest minds of my generation, like, and then Steve Aoki, you know? Yeah, right yeah, afterward. yeah. That would be like. Allen Ginsberg opening for a, a, a dubstep DJ or something. Uh, I that Kathy's was very sorry, sad, cut. though, in that doc. I'm uh, watching Allen Ginsberg trying to get, like, at least five minutes on stage at some point, and then they, like, cut him down to two. <laughs> I get it. You get a one-minute light. It. You I, get a one-minute light. I don't want to see, I don't wanna see <laughs> fucking Allen Ginsberg if I'm going to a Bob Dylan show. And I'm even going I to Bob Dylan. You know, I don't want to see Allen Ginsberg if I'm going to Allen Ginsberg show. I've seen Allen Ginsberg. I haven't seen Dylan, but I did see Ginsberg when I was, was like, he good? in high school. I guess so. I mean, I had vaguely knew about him because uh, my grandfather was super Republican, but he had some like conservative magazine where like a super right wing guy was interviewing Ginsburg just to be kind of like, look at, you know, right, look right, at this right. weirdo. And I'm just like, yeah, well, everything he's saying makes a lot more sense than the other guy. <laughs> so I found out about Ginsburg through that. And then, yeah, he did a thing at San Jose State right before he it might have been a year or two before he died. Yeah. I imagine it's, it's pretty similar to see like Henry Rollins is mm-hmm. seeing Alan Ginsburg. <laughs> it's kind of. A, I actually enjoyed seeing Henry Rollins, but it, it'd be intense. Uh, yeah. The time I saw him, it was kind of homophobic. But uh, Rollins, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. A, it was. This was like, like late eighties, though. From, I was a KFJC. Person, yeah. So. Oh, you, did you work at KFJC? Yeah, yeah. You did a radio show. Uh huh. Saturday oh, noon to three. It was a great slot. What kind of stuff were you playing back like then? Like pop, like punk pop okay. stuff. You know. 
What and years? I interviewed comics. 80, 80, in the 80s? 84, 85, okay. 86. And like in there. I have a friend who's there now, and I sent him a comedy thing um, to try to get him to play it on air. But um, yeah, it'd be oh. fun to like do comedy. Just You had comics, you did like banter. Yeah, like, I, I did comedy. interviewed comics. I called it the bomb shelter, and we had Jake Johansson. We had you know the local, I would just go to San Francisco and ask people, because I was just starting. Uh-huh. I hadn't even started yet. I think Kevin Kataoka, comic from San Francisco, was like, mm-hmm. hey, I do, there's this place to go. He was a KFJC member. He's like, there's a he club was. called the Holy City Zoo. Mm-hmm. You should, and him, him and Don Perrazzo were comic, were do, doing it already. So I went up with them one night and like, oh, and, you know, checked it out and stuff. And it was, I could not believe how funny it was. You know, like these guys, Lankin Earl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bob, Bob Rubin, you know, where you're just like. Oh, I know Bob Rubin, I didn't yeah. even know this existed. <laughs> you know, because I was a music guy. I was I was go to bands and stuff. So I was like, whoa, this is great. This mm-hmm. stuff. I, and, and I had just broken up with this longtime girlfriend. So I was like laughing my heart out. And I was like, oh, this is healthy. You know, as opposed <laughs> to like drinking or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you go to Foothill College or you uh-huh, just did, did the thing? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you tell by my um, grammar? <laughs> <laughs> What so for people who don't know what KFSG is or what is what KF, are you guys KFJC about? is a Wave uh, of the West <laughs> is a alternative radio station at Foothill College and it was it had big a pretty big scope at that time because there was no it was before Live 105 started it was right. like the punk station we got to, I interviewed the Edge and so we got it was a kind of a prominent station for yeah punk rock it's music, kind of yeah. like the the West Coast version of WFM yeah exactly when I talked to Tom Sharpling is oh yeah that's that's actually a station we like you know. And, <laughs> The one station. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even like FMU anymore. Yeah. I, yeah, no. That's right, yeah. <laughs> we so, did that documentary, actually. Yeah. So, uh, Tony, who did so? Yeah. Who did you come up with? What was, is Patton in your generation? Like, who is, what are the, who are the comics in San Francisco scene that you came up with? Uh, I'd say Kevin Kataoka. Lori Kilmartin had been doing it. Karen Anderson had been doing it. Uh, Greg Barrett started a little after me. Margaret Cho a little after me. Uh, Chris Hobbs, who doesn't really do a con, but he's, he was uh, in there ahead of me. But people I hung out with was Alex Reed, who's uh, still friends with. He's a, a director now, TV director. Um, Capurro? Scott Capurro was, started after us. He was a different scene, and he came over into the mainstream scene after the clubs. Um, but the, uh, And then the people who have been around for a long time, you know, like uh, Doug Ferrari and all the all those other guys were already established. Um uh, Mike Guido, uh, Stephen Pearl was a legend, you know. I was about to ask Rob, you, like, who did who did you look up to in that scene? I really like Jake Johansson was my favorite oh, of the at the time. Me too. He man. wouldn't really hang out at the zoo too much because he was working a lot. Uh, yeah. But like, I just liked. I was like a Bob Newhart fan. I liked the guys who wouldn't didn't have the super strong cell, you know, and kind of were. But then I also loved Lank and Earl, who were ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, I don't know so, much about Lake. Can you can you describe what their act was? There's and, a YouTube. It's like dark and yeah. awkward. <laughs> there's a very good YouTube. I, I've tried to look for stuff of theirs on YouTube. Yeah, that's the best example. There's a gun, just the a, gun a, bit. Uh, there's just like really... Uh, one guy was a straight guy. Sometimes they're both the straight guy. I, I, I look look them up. There's, it's hard to describe. It's dark and... Um, they're around and they do they still they work still together? yeah they yeah. still they still do stuff here and the Jim Jim was Jim still they both still write on a lot of stuff I think but they may do National Lampoon and I, I think Jim works on Jimmy Dore's podcast okay I think I saw them do something together at at uh, Ron's show at the tomorrow yeah yeah tomorrow. yeah probably yeah. Um, but super funny guys boy both of them really yeah funny. Th- those that's a uh, duo that I've just started hearing about I know they're legendary and I have no idea what they did like I have zero yeah idea try what to YouTube it's just Kind of ahead of its time, awkward humor, you know. Yeah. I guess uh, it, that's that's uh, the when, best way to put it. Super dark, yeah. Yeah, 
Wayne Fetterman has a great podcast called The History of Stand Up, and they just did a Holy City Zoo episode. Oh. And they, they talk about those guys, and they talk about every, you know, Ellen DeGeneres yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Paula Poundstone. They go through kind of the history of all that. So that a, lot of, a lot of the greats are, are, are some of the people who signed up for the open mics, <laughs> like Jackie Sachs and Garrick Mann, who, who, who are just like odd, so odd that you never, they'd never really be comedians, but they liked, that was their hobby. You know, maybe the, I think they might have had some handicaps or some disabilities. One, this guy was like a heroin addict, and he would come out of the park and he would sign up. And it, he said it, it, he'd like to go to the zoo because it was warm, because, you know, it's freezing neighborhood. <laughs> right. So That's when he awesome. called his name, he would get up and try stuff like, hey, you have a, you have a yeah, Fulton Avenue. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what, what, you know, just like <laughs> ramble yeah. Yeah. and then go back, to, go back to the back of the club and then sleep till they kicked him out. I but you kind of it yeah. kind of was the part of the magic of the place that because San Francisco at the time still had a lot of weirdo. Now I guess it's been a lot of it's been flushed away, but um, yeah, you know it would kind of made it fun because that's the stuff you don't see once you start working. You don't you see a lot less of the fringe weirdos that made it special. Can, okay, for two things because I just started watching that amazing Jonathan documentary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was part that. of that scene as well. Yeah, yeah. You I never saw he, he okay. le- he'd already left, he left before. I, yeah. And then I run an open mic. In Echo Park uh-huh. at a library. So there's no barrier to entry. Mm. There's a homeless lady who went on the other day and she had uh, a baby squirrel in her bra oh. that she gotten like a, a living baby squirrel. Someone had given her the day before. And she was like, I spent my last 50 bucks on puppy food for this baby squirrel. I'm just like, that's. That is not something you'd see at any mic where there is a drink minimum. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. Well, wait, wait, what's the punchline? <laughs> You're like, there's no punchline, ma'am. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, yeah, kind of like that. Uh, and I love open mics, except for sometimes you sign up and you're just waiting there. like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Because like, there's sometimes they're it's, depressing. But if, there, if there's enough colorful people, they make it worth doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's just, like you said, you don't see it. Even at showcases, it's been already weeded out, you know, and sometimes that yeah. stuff is magical. Oh, I just went to the comedy store Monday potluck for the first time, and I was watching people, you know, I'd never seen before. And uh, the one guy came in, and he, he was homeless, and his whole act was about how great he's doing as a homeless guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, huh. Did it? Did it yeah. work? Yeah, yeah. He went. He went pretty. It went pretty well. Oh, good. Him. Yeah. Good for him. This ties into Rolling Thunder in some way, right? I feel like well, it kind it, of does because there's no does. documentation of it. It it's does just because of legend. like people like uh, I mean, it's part of that like like a uh, mask trickery stuff of the entertainment business. I I mean, I kind of feel like if there's a theme to this documentary Rolling Thunder, it's kind of like you know the like voila idea of entertainment. It's like anything can be entertainment. It can be like a straight concert video, or it can be like a mockumentary. I mean, this was like Zelig meets This Is Spinal Tap. You know, like that's, like that's. I was listening to an interview on KPCC they did with the producer and the editor of this, and they talk about how having that character Ratso. The Rolling Stone writer oh, yeah. was like this. Arch- they talked about it in terms of archetypes too. So it's interesting you bring up archetypes. So yeah, they're kind of getting at this sort of how many like kind of mythical godlike characters were hanging out on that tour. Right. Like, we didn't talk about Joni Mitchell yet. I mean, yeah. Which is like uh, I wanted like a whole thing about that. Uh, that that was crazy. They're yeah. just I guess it's in uh, Gordon Lightfoot's apartment and yeah. she just start like like well, I she think sh- that's. 
She's showing them her uh, song Coyote that hadn't been yeah played. yeah, and that's one Fam- of the best Joni famous Mitchell songs. songs. Yeah, famous famous song. You know, um, and it's, it's like that, and it's that like the Patty Smith scene where it's like oh, you know, yeah, I'm, I was like I was like, wait, but this this is that good though, is it? You know, that's what I, that's what I kept <laughs> like. Is this is this is this where it gains into like because Joni Mitchell is just does this amazing thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're like wow, this is this is like how. You picture artists hanging out like, hey, I have this new song. Yeah, oh, you want to jam on it? Check out my new painting. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, like Playboy After Dark kind of strived to do. Like, we're having a cocktail party and everyone's really talented and they're going to be sharing their talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, the, then it's like, oh, this, this is where my air into pretense is when Patti Smith does that poem. I, I don't know if that was bad or good. I don't know poetry, but I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I found like the, there's another poet who ends up being a roadie on this tour as well. Uh, blanking out his name, like Obelsky or something. But yeah, I, I'm not a, the idea of doing a show with a bunch of musicians and then poets in between, like I, it's a hard sell for me, even with Ginsburg. You yeah. Know. It's like, it's like when someone does an announcement at a benefit, you know, it's like no matter how bad <laughs> it's never going to be. Oh, and those announcements and the dedications, you see comedy day. Oh, those dedications were so great. And those <laughs> announcements, I mean, they're a necessary evil, but they're not entertaining. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's just a fact. Abs- absolutely. I mean, it's, that's, I mean, when you when you're I guess if you're at the level of Bob Dylan, any kind of like um, farcical parody you're going to do with footage is going to involve like legends, you know, like even if this even if this was a five minute like movie, it would have still involved like Richie Havens, Joni Mitchell, you know, like Mm -hmm. like the best of the best, you know. Yeah, I didn't expect to see Jimmy Carter in this. That was Uh, that's right. He plays a mean guitar. I did not know that smoke where he does all along the watchtower when he's in that room with Hendrix. You guys got to watch this. It's a crazy (laughs) documentary. You got to watch it. And it might have been CGI. Yeah. His brother is there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, there are there are obviously actors in this. And people who are playing different parts, like they actually get the Paramount CEO to, to yeah, do yeah, a part yeah. in this, which is like he's not busy enough, I guess. <laughs> like he, could, but it's Martin, it's Marty Scorsese. He gave me yeah, a call. Yeah, I sat yeah. down and I made up some bullshit. It, it'll take five minutes, John. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I that's pretty. That's pretty insane. And like, and, and he's believable. He's like a pretty good actor too. Like I, I, you know, I believed it before I found out that most of this shit was fake. And then Michael Murphy, who plays Congressman Jack Turner, the guy that talks <laughs> to uh, to uh, oh, the president. So the f- I didn't know that was fake. Yeah. Um, that yeah, was yeah, fake. that's fake. Uh, the Tell fact, me what else is fake. The fact that he thinks <laughs> that he says he got the idea for Make It From Kiss, I thought was hilarious. That was, yeah. I figured I'm like, that, that was, is just friggin' great. That I assumed. The, the photo looked like a little photoshopped. Yeah, but I was like, that is fucking. That is so good. So they're making this kind of funny and like, you know, like he Dylan kind of a serious guy not taking himself too seriously where he doesn't even, you know, like that part I really enjoyed because I always figure like Dylan's the kind of guy that just like masturbates while looking into a mirror. Like he just he just loves himself and to see him being a little like tongue in cheek, you know, especially at the beginning when he's like, ah, oh, wait, that was bullshit. Like, let me <laughs> let me try that over again. And he's like, that you sounded should, horrible. There's some. uh there's uh, the stuff that um, uh, what's his name uh, Letterman's musician uh, oh, Paul Schaefer Paul Schaefer uh, wrote a bunch of stuff uh, about Dylan. I think it might be for the biograph. It, it's fascinating how he all Letterman all, all Dylan wanted is to meet Larry Bud Melman. He was just the biggest Larry Bud Melman fan. Oh he didn't, yeah. So he's just like he's like not doing great during these all the run throughs. He doesn't really care. He's that he's giving it like twenty percent. 
And then the neither show, he, he does great. He's like, wow, I was so surprised. Like, I, I never really understood what you did on this show, you know? I just wanted to meet Larry Bud Melman. Now I kind of <laughs> get it. But like, it's just weird. Like, uh, I, like he's... And there's, uh, the, there's this interview with him with a British journalist. It might have been an outtake from Don't Look Back, where he's talking to this British guy. On, I think it's on a train or in his dressing room. And he's so clearly coked up. And he's like... <laughs> and the guy's saying, hey, I met, uh, I met a guy named Bob Dylan. And Bob, Dil- to Bob Dylan's like, oh, man, that's crazy. It's like, would you... <laughs> What do you do when you meet someone named after you? I mean, what? You know, he's just he's just in the, he's like at this worst of being like a, a doped up rock star. So I always, I suggest looking at that, reading this Paul Schaefer stuff. It's just so hard to get a sense of like, does he take himself seriously or is he just so? I think he just goes in phases, and I think sometimes he does take himself, and sometimes he whatever his focus on, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just think he's an odd odd cat who just you know he just has all these different phases. Well, doesn't he? Didn't he say he was from New Mexico for a while, and he's from Minnesota? Like he's yeah, it's, like it's he, he's documented. Kind of he's from Hebbing, Minnesota, Minnesota. You know mm-hmm. that he got he get into Jewishness for a while, then he rejects that and goes into Christianity. You know, I don't know if he's ever actually left that, but his music has moved on. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, then every every like ten albums is it's like critically acclaimed as a comeback. Right, <laughs> you know, right. These, these sparse albums. Who um, else was in the Wallflowers? I forget who else was in that. The Wallflowers was ju- you mean uh, traveling Wilburys? Oh yeah, that's that's what I'm. Yeah, traveling Wilburys. <laughs> traveling yeah. Wallflowers. Uh, that was George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Johnny, oh, Roy, Ke- uh, Roy Orbison. Yeah, Jeff Lynne, Tom Petty, Tom Petty. Jesus, anybody out? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah you Damn. know, just those guys. Yeah, that's a pretty. But and they kind of sucked though, right? I mean, they, yeah. they had like one hit. <laughs> They had some catchy stuff, but yeah, handle me with care. Uh, but it's it's just a little catchy. But it, you know, it's it's anything with too many chefs is never. It's like you ever see you right. go to a great concert and they all jam at the end. It's never the best part of the concert. So it's noodle it's fest. Like, oh yeah, it's a noodle fest or Johnny Be Good or some bloated version. It's a, it's it's fun and there you see everybody up there. Right. But it's not, you know, and I think it's it was it's very middle of the road, dude. I, that album, you know, I, I think two albums they did actually. Do you guys remember the scene where Joan Baez is doing her weird snake dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I've never seen any <laughs> footage of Joan Baez like loosening up like that. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's why she doesn't really dance. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. like kind of a Steven Tyler crouch. Yeah, 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 very, yeah. yeah. Very I thought odd. she it was it was funny when she says when you see him on stage all is forgiven. I think that tells you a lot about Bob mm. Dylan. When yeah. you see him on when you see him sing all is forgiven, you know. Mm, yeah. Just must have what, been a handful. What was the white face all about? What was that? I, I, I don't know what that is. I think it was some French movie. He said he, he just wanted to like be a be a minstrel, you know, go back to the traveling gypsy I'm glad he show. went that direction. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I'm going to yeah. do the yeah. white face. I'm yeah, like, it could have gone horribly God. wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bob that Dylan is canceled. You know. Yeah. yeah, and then they pick really small. Ven- I thought that was pretty cool. Actually, they pick these tiny fucking venues in New England and mm. just surprising the fuck out of some Massachusetts people. You know, um, I thought that was kind of an interesting angle. Yeah, I think it was before rock and roll got real uh, down to a business where there's a template for how you do things. You know the. Like Live Nation or Bill yeah. Graham probably institutionalized things that just everybody does now, you know. And, and it was before that when you, you know you had, you had that, and then a, you know you had around the same time he did uh, the last waltz was I don't know if that was seventy six, so not too soon after that. And that Bill Graham lost a ton of money on he served they served everybody 
Thanksgiving dinner. Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't think they do that anymore. Well, Bill Graham was Wait. in this for a second, right? Uh, I don't know if he, yeah, for maybe Bill for Graham a second. I don't yeah. What do, They served everyone Thanksgiving dinner. What does that mean? At the, at, at, during the last waltz, they served everybody turkey dinner at, 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 the, at the... The audience or the yeah, musicians? Yeah, everybody. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm sure crazy. the musicians got the different than the, <laughs> than the guy in 13, yeah. 136B, but... Yeah. Right. Uh, that's pretty crazy. You know, it's a special, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, and my uncle went, he was, he, they were living in Sacramento, came down to my grandma's where we we're all getting, he's like, well, I gotta go. I'm going to go see Bob. I was like, and I, even at that age, I'm like, you're so lucky to see, going to see Bob Dylan, you know? And he came back. I just thought he was lying and everybody came out. The band was, I was like, come on. Neil Young. Yeah. Crazy. With a famous cocaine burger, booger. If you watch the, it's been digitally, <laughs> it's been what? digitally. You gotta what, YouTube it. It's famous, or Google it. Like, yeah, he had a. a did big you just white say cocaine booger? Coke, I did say coke. Not <laughs> okay. one of the few times I've used that phrase in <laughs> it's my life. Not something we've ever had on this show. That's I was awesome. born a little too late. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and they had to they had to pixelate it out for the remastering of the last vaults. Okay, let's let's <laughs> recap this. Uh, <laughs> I, that's a lot to take in. Scorsese so, does fuck with stuff yeah he does cgi stuff oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, does yeah. Do, yeah yeah so wait in the original concert footage of the last walt shot in san francisco at oh uh walt the warfield oh was at it? the I warfield think, i think it's the warfield uh, yeah. yeah okay you can see cocaine in neil young's nostril yes like yes. remnants yes oh, i am, wow. I am awesome. swearing to the senate subcommittee yes you can summer 1975 Rumor came around that the inspired Dylan was back, gathering all of his forces. The idea was to put a tour up. And we should be playing 20,000 seats. But instead, he wanted all these small venues. We're really running short of time. I want to introduce Dylan. Boy, sure hope we get to Boston on time. Where have you been? The tour was a catastrophe. Where have you been? It wasn't a success. Not if you measure success in terms of profit. The nation was so divided. So they embarked on a journey through America. Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, and Jack Elliott, right in the Civic Center. You know me, I'm too old for that kind of thing. Oh. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Uh, did, now, now, okay. as, non, as non Dylan fans, you guys both watched it, right? Yeah. Because do drama. What did What did you think as it just as form of like, on sorry to turn the tables, <laughs> like because I'm just curious. Like I put it up like yeah, another crazy thing Bob Dylan's doing that's kind of cool. I put it on the cool side of things. What did you guys think as non Dylan fans, just as people who like documentaries? I I wrote to Paco like at like 1 a.m. the other day. I'm like, this is so long. <laughs> this is. I stopped. I'm like, there's another hour and a half. Yeah, from yeah, where it's long. Yeah. I'm like, what? What am I? What? And you could you could just skip past once the song starts if you don't, because a lot of it's just whole I, songs. I like the songs actually. I did like the songs, but I'm just like, what is? 
I thought I was just my brain was going crazy because I didn't know what was real at all. Like I was convinced like there was overdubs <laughs> happening and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. Um, if I if I hadn't been, I fast forwarded my, to some of the songs I didn't like just to the end of the song because I was like, well, I'm not gonna learn anything if I you know right. So it was a little shorter because yeah, it was it could drag. And plus, it's like it, the bad old that old the old concert production values where everything's kind of like locks black and not mm-hmm. not the best, you know. I love yeah. the violin player. Oh, Scarlett Rivi- Riviera. Riviera. She's all yeah. over the album Desire, and that's about it. She's not she's not on anything yeah. after or anything before. That, I want a doc just about her. I was like, oh, you could have made a did- film just about her. Yeah, Let's I didn't, play Pitch a Duck. And I didn't even know what was true about her. Like, she, people say she was Gene Simmons' girlfriend, but I'm like, that's I don't know if that's true up. or not. That's you know, is that just up. another thing? You know, I think that was amazing. God, I hope thing. not. Um, this is a good segue because we do a uh, game called Pitch a Duck or Doc Hollywood or whatever we want to call it, um, where there's a story you've heard that's true that you've always wanted to see as a documentary. So. Uh, George just kind of got us in there with the documentary about the violinist, which would be awesome. She seems really particular. I mean, I feel like she could have played in Zappa's band. Or she something, seems you know? to me, being from San Francisco, like a classic ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a little interesting, but more nuts than interesting. And, yeah. you're like, and you go, like, oh, she's cool, but like, yeah, you know. You know, I just, I just thought of what have you guys seen that documentary about Thoth? Do you know about that guy? No. So there's a documentary. How do you spell that? Uh, T-H-O-T-H. He was a guy that was oh, around. Oh, Top.0. Uh, yeah, I yeah, know. He was him. around he San Francisco. Frank. He would like play in Golden Gate Park or UC Berkeley, like wearing like a loincloth, playing violin. And there's Black a really dude. Yeah, there's a really interesting documentary about him that actually I think uh. was like uh, nominated for uh, an Oscar, actually. Oh, really? In, uh, maybe 2002 or something I got to like check that. that out. Yeah, yeah. So it made me think of that. But that's not what I was going to pitch. Uh, do you guys, Did you guys come up with pitches? I got one. Do you, got, do you guys got one? I have one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't yeah. have one. I thought someone should do a good documentary. It's not a story. It's a profile on R. Crumb. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think... Maybe the, Terry Zweigoff should the do the one? The time is right. Yeah, oh, he would be great. Yeah, he would, he be would be great. great. And then awesome. following that, the Civil War. I mean, no one's really... Uh, those two things, I, I know things but, have been done about it, but not to my yeah. satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, that would um, be, I would like to see the pictures get, like, really small and really great big. Great idea. Just, yeah, thank well, you. Well, you guys do thank this, you. so you you can recognize a good idea when you hear one. Yep. But I, I, I know this is dumb and easy to think, but I, I thought a, the same thing could be applied. Like, why don't they do that? Since it's a more pivotal or equally pivotal about a revolution, a real good revolutionary war documentary slash George Washington. Like, I don't, maybe he was boring, but like we have Lincoln. It seems like we have a lot of Lincoln stuff, but like a real thorough uh, Washington slash revolutionary war one, I think would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm sure so. there's stuff out there, but, but um, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not aware of something that's like gone viral or, or one like, of my favorite Washington stories is how he duped the fucking uh, English, the British army by being like, yeah, I'll see you in the morning for our fight. And then they leave in the Hudson. Yeah. They yeah. Use the fog to take off. And he's just like, fuck you guys. That's great. Yeah. I love that. That could be in that's there. Nice. Other stuff he yeah. did. Cherry tree. Yeah, some, you some know, other boom. stuff. Right itself. Yeah. Wig. Yeah. Some wig he- stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was reading the other day about a guy in the 50s, a white guy who dressed up as a black guy and and got a road Greyhound buses for a long time. Oh, Green like, Bus. Huh? It's called Green Bus would be the name of that documentary. The Green, the green Tortoise. Okay, it could be Green Bus, yeah. <laughs> no, Green Mile. The, green Mile. Uh, 
<laughs> green bus mile. He rode the he rode the Greyhound bus for like months and, and then wrote a book about racism. And he got so many death threats. He moved to, had to move to Mexico. Um, so wow, that's interesting. Uh, what's I his know. name? What's his name or name of this work? Uh, it's not. There is no name. It's just a, I just read about him, and oh. I just think it'd be an interesting documentary. Yeah, that would be a good one. And then it would just be him yeah. being like, "I regret doing all of that. I wish yeah, people I hadn't want to move to Mexico." Yeah, exactly. You know, you yeah. guys, you guys do this not for a living, but as a passion, this documentary stuff. And it's some, when you watch, there's there's been a few that where you, that change your worldview, where you're just like, "Oh, the world is not what I thought it was." One is the uh, the capture in plain sight. The other one is like the the art of killing, where they're just, you're just like, "Oh boy." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought I had things kind of figured out, and I don't at all. There's some, there is some weird stuff going on in this world, and I'm, I'm sure some just as weird stuff's happening right now someplace. But there, yes. where you, you you just watch them and they haunt you, you know, for like this is a this Dylan one's a fun, a fun <laughs> well, pop culture fun. thing, and it, it you know if it if it gets more people turned on to Dylan or that that especially that period which I think is an interesting period, that's great. But it's like some of these documentaries, you're just like holy crap, you know? Yeah, actually. I like that there was like some scenes that contextualize the time period. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not super cognizant of that, like what the actual timing would have been. Like, oh wait, someone is that when someone tries to kill Gerald Ford? It's like right yeah, after yeah, Watergate. Yeah. Um, all all of that stuff. It's a post. It's the post hippie euphoria of Woodstock era, kind of now. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's also looking to the baby boomer generation, which is like as we get older and we get can look back and with hindsight, it's like you guys are kind of idiots, you know, <laughs> the baby boomers. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, it's like you, the baby boomers took themselves so fucking seriously. And um, I don't know, I, the more I, uh, the more I, the older I get, the more I'm, I look back at baby boomers, just like you just you guys fucked up everything and wanted to save everything, but and kind of fucked yeah. up everything, you know. Well, it became ultimately like self-indulgent, I think, where it's just like, we want to do this, but it's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. it's like, yeah, but, you know, like it's because those are our parents, really, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. And they yeah. I just picture like uh, the Whole Foods parking lot in Berkeley, like someone's <laughs> bumper sticker, like visualize world peace trying to run you over for just right. being in their way yeah That's yeah, yeah. there you go yeah on a very very expensive like on a tesla like coexist on a you know on a mm-hmm. fucking suv or something very marin very yeah, marin so, so I, this is i think this period's almost like an intersection of those 60s values and the baby boomer post that coming you know self-indulgence coming in like you could say it's the, the, the way they've had the makeup is a little self-indulgent or is it or is it art or you know it's like that weird crossroads of like yeah, you could say this whole thing, this whole tour is self-indulgent because it, it lost money. Yeah. It was basically Dylan being like, I want to bring some people, I want to f- freak out some squares in the Northeast. <laughs> I want to freak out some squares. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's kind of... Yeah, yeah. freak out some squares. Probably a little blow, late to freak out some, some squares. Blow some smoke in their stupid monkey faces. Yeah. yeah, and it's also weird when you see, like, I we see people handing out flyers for a Bob Dylan show when you say, Hey, Bob Dylan's in town. Do you want to go to a Bob Dylan? Not for me. (laughs) Yeah. Not for me. Thanks. And you're like, well, I guess that's before the internet where you just post something. And then two seconds later, Oh, Chappelle's doing the punchline sold out. Yeah. You just have to like, Oh, even Bob Dylan has to flyer. Dude, I've handed out handbills in, in my generation in my lifetime. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like it'd be, it would be, if I had, Anyone that anyone recognized as much as Bob Dylan, people at least take the flyer. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like I'd be like, here, no, just take the flyer. There's like a MySpace on it. You get, you gotta come to the thing. Do you um, think is bar- is Barking Dead 
for, I do, do it, they, man. It mm. it barely works, but uh, where, like mm-hmm. when you do it, is it like I know in New York they still did it when I lived there. It was, oh yeah, uh, but I don't know if they Times Square. I bet they still do. The, the B clubs have to get people in, right? Like, like I remember hearing like Aziz Ansari had to do that to get stage time. You had to hand out. Yeah, and there's and some stuff. clubs who are just uh, rely on it more than others. But you you can't used to not. I had to walk to Times Square to get to my job, and every day it's like stand up comedy, mm-hmm. and from Letterman, from comedy, they would be none of those people <laughs> on the show that night. But they just have to, you know, they yeah. might stop by. They right. have, yeah, they're they, in the town. They're in town. They're in New York City. Well, I bark for a free show, so I feel like it's like... Where do even people bark in L.A.? Well, uh, on Fatel. Oh, okay. There's actually foot traffic. But, like, people are there like, no thanks, I don't want to see comedy. I'm just here for noodles, you know? Right, right, so right. it's a little bit harder. Oh, I did want to talk about my pitch doc which is um, this guy Shane Morris had an amazing flame out on Twitter in the last month. He basically posted this really long thread about how he uh, went on a road trip with a van. And, oh, I read about this. Yeah, yeah. and he claimed yes. that there was a brick of heroin inside of the van and that he it actually belonged to a guy from MS-13. And he uh, hornswoggled these guys from <laughs> MS-13. You, could, you should pause for people can Google hornswoggle right now. Okay, let's just take a break. <laughs> this is not a... It sounds like Am a, I a boomer? Uh, what the what, what the are fuck you did Amish? I say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the English hornswoggled. Um, yeah, so it turned out very cl- I mean, I kind of went along with it, just like this is entertaining. Uh he had made up the entire thing, and then uh he went on uh social media. I think he went like on medium is like, wow, I just want to say I made up that whole thing because people have been telling me. You shouldn't say that you ripped off MS-13. People will come and find you. So he got uh-huh. off. His Twitter account got suspended. He started a GoFundMe so him and his wife could go into hiding from MS-13. I'm like, Fuck. now I don't know if that's real now. Because right. what, like, the entire thing. And then I found out also he, I had read something of his earlier because he had written a post about Lil Nas X and how uh, country, about Nashville, he'd worked in, like, record labels, so how Nashville was racist. So then all the anti-Shane Morris truther people are, like, country music people that are defending country music. It's There's, like, so much going on with this one guy who I think maybe used to write for Grantland or something, um, but just, like, found Twitter fame right away and then just, like, nope, got to shut this off. And also, didn't he get, like, tons of offers or something to write? For- I think because of that initial thread, people were like, you should write a screenplay of this. Well, my wife heard about it at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and they said, like, he got all these offers from, <laughs> from I don't know about agents, because now agents aren't a thing, I guess. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he got all these offers to, to like... Write, write a screenplay yeah, yeah, based yeah. on his made-up based story? His, yeah, he got... Or meetings, at least. He got a lot of I, I bet he got some yeah. meetings. I think that's yeah. what it was. He got tons of meetings, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yet yeah. another scammer, another another internet scammer. That's yeah, but insane. that's but that's the kind of thing that that what could go viral. These little stories or mm-hmm. many things that someone someone games the system kind of, and they go, and that's how that's how that's like a new form of entertainment now. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's bad because this is based on a true story. Yeah, guys. yeah, it's a, it's the same thing. Only it's like a DIY thing. It's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna do my own Fargo. 
that's what it is kind it, of it I is mean, like you know? it is like a fargo of social media it's like then i oh no i crossed the gang oh no now yeah, i have to get yeah, off of yeah. twitter so yeah. I, I say more power that to should them. be season four of fargo the shane morris story they just make it a guy yeah. who rips off <laughs> a bad guy on twitter and be like but did i really yeah, the guys oh, are like go okay, to my go what, what happened now yeah, okay <laughs> then ms13's like tweeting back at them yeah so that's Awesome. So uh, I think that is a great place to end. I think that's a nice bow we just put and on And we that. technically that's... talked about the movie. <laughs> yes. Twice. Yeah. We, we did twice. talk about the movie. Um, do your Marty again. Do your Marty Scorsese. I, I can't do him. I can't do him. I, gotta, I, I can't do him. I, can't do I him. have a sequel for After Hours I want to make, Marty. What's it called? It's called Early Dawn. I already been in I already been in Hong Kong movie. I already been done. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do it. I can't do anything more. I, I like the I like the cheese bit. I think that was. <laughs> I'll Martin Scorsese as the worst roommate ever. <laughs> so Paco, I hope to see you in a couple of weeks. If you I'm, when I'm up there with Arj, are you around? Let's let's uh, pit, let's, uh, let's let's talk some dates here. What are you talking? Give us some dates. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is gonna be awesome. The third through the seventh, but no show on the fourth. Mm, yeah, the no one wants to do a show on the fourth uh, with Arj and my friend Karen Anderson. Since it's a special occasion, she's coming out of retirement. To oh, wow. open for us. So uh, that'll be a fun week. Molly moved it from the Cobbs the... to the punchline since it was closing. So mm. so you will be at Cobbs? No, no, punchline. It's n- Normally every year in summer I come with Arge to Cobbs. She's shifted it over since it might be the last uh, Got it. hurrah. So that'll be so fun. So y- you and Arge Barker at the at San Francisco punchline July 3rd, 3rd. 5th, and 6th. That's awesome. I will be there. I am in town. Yeah, maybe a hike on the fourth d- or something, huh? Go yeah, for a hike hey. or something or something. Yeah, take a hike. Maybe we'll go to Mount Cam or something. All right. Well, thanks uh, for having me on, you guys. Uh, Thank you, Tony Kameen. Catch nice him. Where else can people find you? Are you on the Twitter? Are you on the Instagram? I'm not on. I have it, but I never go on Twitter. Facebook. And, IMDb. Uh, I'll be at the American Comedy Club next week if this airs in time, and then yeah. Punchline the following week in San Francisco. Yeah, my beloved nice. San Francisco. Yeah. George, where can people find you? Yeah, George, I want to come to your open mic. I love it. Yeah, come to my open mic, Edendale Library, Thursday, 6 p.m. Ooh, a little early for the toaster. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I also have my mid-city show at Real Pain Fine Arts on third Saturdays. I have my first Thursday show at Giant Robot on Sautel. But we are taking July 4th off also. We do not want to compete with all the free fireworks in the sky. So. Sure. What about you, Paco? Uh, and yeah, Paco, what do you got to promote? Where are you? For myself, I will be at the uh, Laughs Unlimited uh, June 27th. You can come see me. I will be uh, featuring at Rooster Tea Feathers uh, in July, the end of July, July 24th through the 28th or something like that. And uh, proudly, I am headlining a show at Shakespeare's Lowell Level Comedy Club in Kalamazoo, Michigan on July 20th, my hometown. I'm coming back, folks. Mama. There goes that man. Um, Tony, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, fellas. Thank you for coming on. And thanks for making me watch that thing. I don't know if I would have watched it, and I'm glad (laughs) I did. Because I would have, I would have put it off and I would have back burner. Like, I'll get to that someday. But, you know, you, you guys put a fire under my ass. So thanks. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com. We've been recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel and our show was engineered by Will Scoble. For as little as a buck a month, you can donate to this show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash SupDocPodcast. If you want to help us out in other ways, please share the show with friends. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. 
find out more about Paco and George's comedy gigs on the About Us page on our website. Subdoc is by Doc fans for Doc fans. So if you want to advertise with Subdoc, got a film you want to recommend or any opinions, please hit us up. Email us at subdocpodcast at gmail.com.